The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. We are starting your week off with a mailbag as we do uh, all the time. And uh, here to help me answer all of your questions. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. What's so funny, Matthew? Oh, nothing. I'm just, I'm just over here. I'm a little slap happy. We're getting close to the draft. We're working on the KC <laughs> draft guide, and there's a lot of hours going into it right now. And it's just a lot of time in front of a computer screen. So just every now and then, you just have to bust out and random laughter that has <laughs> nothing to do with anything else other than exhaustion. <laughs> so, Craig. Craig Stout, also here with us. Find him on Twitter at Barley Hop, a.k.a. The Renaissance Man, a.k.a. Hollywood Hop, so on and so forth. How are you feeling today, buddy? Oh, I'm feeling great, especially since you are going to be the new Renaissance Man. My man bought chickens and is hand-building a chicken coop this week. Do not let this Renaissance Man nickname (laughs) fall solely on me. Matthew Lane, my man is doing all this himself. He is going to take up the moniker from me. So everybody listening right now, go to Maddie. He is your new renaissance man. He is the no. guy now. No. No, because here's the thing, Craig. The reason the renaissance man thing has stuck around so long is because of how uncomfortable the renaissance shtick makes you. That is it. why we keep no, doing it. I love it. it. I absolutely uh-huh. yeah. love it. We'll see how it is, but no props to Maddie because he is built. He's they bought. I'm not trying to break all the news, but you guys bought a new house, right? We did, yes. Well, we are okay. finishing. We are closing this upcoming week, so it's all but done. And you're building a chicken coop, and you're going to be purchasing some goats and naming it Patrick. Yes, so there. It's the goats will probably be you know next year, but we got chickens. We are probably going to get ducks this year. I got to build a little duck house on the pond where we bought the place, and we're going to get goats. That's about all the room of the animals we have. But to stick sh- true to the brand, more importantly than all the animals, I am building my own home gym in my two-car garage. <laughs> so that's a lot more fun than having to build the chicken coop stuff. No, I'm just kidding. I, I am doing that. But the chickens, nope. the animals, they're all coming in. No carbohydrates allowed in that in that weight room, by the way. Um, and Maddie's <laughs> doing all of this while working on the kc draft guide we're all working on the kc draft guide if you want to pre-order it the championship edition of the guide you can go to gum.co slash kc draft guide 2020 promo code liv live to celebrate super bowl 54 we'll get it for eight dollars and 54 cents if you check our twitter accounts you might see a promo code that might get it 
for a little bit less than that even that's one you need to uh to be looking out for uh we uh we answer the five star review questions when you leave them uh if you if you like the show if you like the what we're doing on the podcast channel the arrowhead arrowhead pride podcast channel subscribe to it leave a five star review here's a few questions we got this week. Week sorcery asks. I think I have listened to most of the shows since the big win. I don't think I heard an AP show that really broke down the plays of the Super Bowl. Why they worked? Uh, why they didn't? Maybe a nice two or three month anniversary show. That's a good idea. Here's his question. I think the refs missed a huge call when Fulton pushed or Fent- I think he meant. I think he means Rashawn Fenton pushed the Niners player on the sidelines. If that penalty would have been called, I think it would have been damaging as D Ford's offsides agree. Or am I missing something? Thanks. So I actually, if you read, look at some of the other angles that are out there on Twitter, you'll actually see Rashad Fenton. It was a completely legal hit. Kyle Shanahan just lost his mind because he realized he was in trouble and he was really terrified that he was, his team was about to slip away and lose the Super Bowl. And he was right. He was rightfully scared. He was rightfully shook. He was rightfully emotional because his team pooped the bed and the Kansas City Chiefs went on a 21 nothing run in the last 10 minutes of the Super Bowl to beat Jimmy Garoppolo, who was pushed inbounds legally and then would go on to poop the bed the rest of the game. Chiefs fan in Switzerland asked, the best oh, best Chiefs podcast things, great material to get you through the offseason and the drama of the season. Appreciate it. Um, entertaining tape junkies, he calls us. That's nice. Uh, here's the question. What sort of draft haul for Chris Jones would you guys be happy with while also being realistic? And how would that change this year's draft? Well, I I think that what you're looking at is maybe just shy of the Frank Clark deal. I'd love that if that's a one and a future two, if that's a one and a three this year. I I think if you're getting about that, that's that's a pretty big haul, and that would add to this draft class. If you get another first in this draft class, it affords you a lot of flexibility that you didn't have before. We see a lot of mocks and a lot of things with people trading up for the Chiefs, and it just doesn't make sense because you can't give away assets when you don't have any to begin with. If you get another first, it gives you a little more flexibility to look at some of the ways that you can maneuver around the draft knowing that you've got that extra first and maybe an extra mid-round pick as well. So I, I think that that's how it would really realistically change this year's draft. I think we have a few more kind of Chris Jones potential trade keep questions coming up later in the podcast. So make sure you keep listening all the way through because I think you're going to get a lot more talk here. But yeah, like Craig said, personally, I think you're hoping to get close to the Frank Clark deal. I don't know if you'll get all the way up to that, but that's kind of, that's what I would be hoping for. And if you can get that extra first round pick, that makes a huge difference. I spent a lot of time, like I'm sure many others have kind of looking there at the end of the first round. I just don't see a ton of options for teams that have not only the draft capital to trade for Chris Jones with the first and a third or the cap space to keep them. So you probably will be getting a pick from the 2021 draft in conjunction with the first round this year if that's the route you go. But that's still going to help the Chiefs a ton. It's going to be hard to keep this thing going if you only have five draft picks. I think that's the biggest push here is just the simple fact that you get more draft picks on top of those five if you move on from Chris Jones. And like I said, I think you're looking around that Frank Clark deal and you feel pretty happy if you net that deal. Uh, poor one out or poor one for Mahomes. He it's his name's Kyle. He lives in Pennsylvania. Um, he's had to deal with the lean years. Uh, he's had to deal with a lot of Pittsburgh fans critiquing his, his love of the chiefs, but he really wanted to, he, he says this, um, 
Uh, long story short, I've never written a review, but after hearing the top five cereal picks, I was in disbelief. No one said Lucky Charms, Apple Ch- Apple Jacks, or Tricks. I almost had to go on, uh, go rant Swanson, but I won't. Good work, fellas. Keep it up. Um, I, I'll be real with you. The only one that would have been in consideration for me there is Lucky Charms. And the dehydrated marshmallows, they hit different when you're older and not in a good way. That's just my opinion. <laughs> There Carbs. are so many people that were so upset with us for not putting <laughs> Mahomes Magic Crunch in our top fives. I'll tell you what, guys, you're right. We were wrong. <laughs> we apologize. It's been a very long season. I had honestly forgotten that that cereal had even come out in training camp from last well, year. It, it no feels longer like it exists. Yeah, so yeah. it seems like the rest of the world may have been on our side with leaving it out of their top five cereal. And listen, I, Kyle, I am sorry, but I don't want to snort sugar. So Lucky Charms, <laughs> Apple Jacks tricks just don't do anything for me. I don't need two seconds of energy before I pass out, before I can even make it to the couch. Hey, it actually doesn't sound bad. <laughs> Honestly, Go for that. All right. Oh my god. Let's we're gonna jump we're gonna jump to the Twitter questions. And like Maddie said, there's a lot of Chris Jones questions. First off, we got fifty questions this week. We got fifty, sixty questions last week. We're we're having a hard time being able to answer all of those. We apologize. A lot of the questions, some of them are repeats, some of them are duplicates of the questions that are on there. It's our apologies that we're not able to get to all of them. If you go back and listen to some of the previous shows, I'm pretty sure you're going to find uh, a lot of the questions that you ask are actually on some of the shows we pre- previously talked about. So that's some of how we whittle stuff down. We're going to spend a lot of time on Chris Jones today out of the break when we get when we take the second half of the show. We're going to go a deep dive on Chris Jones. We've tried to have some conversations here and there, but this is probably going to be a pretty Chris Jones heavy on the back, back end of the show. But let's start with this one. The Clan McLean asks... This question is for Matt only. I made burn ends on Saturday and on Sunday I put the leftovers in a small tortilla with some smoked Gouda barbecue sauce and coleslaw and ate them as a taco. Was this still barbecue, Maddie? No, that is a taco. Good taco, <laughs> but it's a taco. And listen, people are getting all bent out of shape about this. This isn't about not liking barbecue, not liking Joe's. I love Joe's. I like it more than you guys because I'm not <laughs> wasting my stomach space and my calories on a piece of buttered bread that they don't make. It's not a smoked delicious meat that they put this precious time and love and tenderness into. It's a piece <laughs> of bread. Let it go and order more real barbecue. If you want a sandwich, go to Publix and order a chicken tender sandwich like a normal person that wants to eat bread. Don't eat bread at a barbecue restaurant unless it's a side and you're still hungry after eating your four meats and eight sides. We don't have Publix here, Maddie, first off. So that was a regional joke. Thank you very much. (laughs) Second off... I had Joe's yesterday. This was I, only was for me, Kent. This question was only for me. <laughs> I'm just chiming in. I, I, I've got the, I've got the floor right now. And I don't care. I went to Joe's yesterday because Oakland, Joe's tagged us. Joe's Joe, tagged Joe's, us on Twitter. Joe's actually chimed in on the argument and took a video of Patrick Mahomes talking about the Z-Man. And, and Jimmy Kimmel asked him, was like, you had the Z-Man? Oh, 100%. Uh, so... Mahomes is on our side, Maddie. You can go off into carbohydrateless, you know, no, existence. No, no, no. Mahomes did not take your side. He said he's eaten it. I've eaten it too, and it's a good sandwich. 
I would never compare the best quarterback of all time to a piece of bread. Well, I think Joe's begs to differ, and they have the final word on that. Just catch a big, fat, ginormous, carbohydrate-filled L, and let's move on. Peter Y. Golf. <laughs> How good do the Roughnecks feel about the fact that there's no X- KC XFL team? <laughs> I, we're not answering the. Or I wasn't going to answer this question. If you've got a take for it, please by all means. But I just love that. I think it's so beautiful. Well done, Peter Y. Golf. I I uh, think it's fun. At the time that we recorded this, uh, Kansas City just beat the crap out of Houston in soccer the night before 4-0 just absolutely annihilated them so it's just in every single sport guys we just dominate Houston we we didn't need trash cans for baseball we didn't we didn't need a we didn't need we gave them 24 points in the playoffs (laughs) and it still didn't matter Oh, you love to see it. Chief England 95. What position do you feel will be we will all be panicking about the most after the first wave of free agency? I love this question. I think it's going to be the linebacker. I just I don't feel like the Chiefs are going to go out and make this big splashy move in free agency about linebacker. I do think they address cornerback on some level and that'll be enough for fans to kind of for everybody just to kind of calm down and think that it's still going to be okay, whether they bring back somebody like Bashad Greenland who's been here, whether they go out and sign a mid or a high-tier cornerback. I just do see them getting a cornerback to come in. I don't think they're going to do anything for a linebacker that really moves the needle, and that's going to cause a little bit of panic as people see Joe Schobert probably go for a pretty reasonable contract. Maybe Corey Littleton gets paid, but he's not going to get like Quan Alexander money, I don't think, which is going to make him a very good deal I think you might see some people get upset that the Chiefs weren't in that market. The simple fact is they can't do that until they make a lot of roster cuts and they might not be ready to do that right away. Yeah, and I, I'm going to go with interior offensive line because I think they're going to move move on from LDT. And if they don't make an early move, you might be wondering if the Chiefs are going to be okay with their in-house options, which they might be. But I think that we might see a little bit of panic there that the Chiefs aren't trying to play in that interior offensive line market a little bit, especially like Matt said, if there's some of the bigger names that go for more reasonable money, then you're starting to wonder, okay, so why did we cut Laurent Duvernay-Tardif? Why are we moving on? Why are we trusting some of these rotational debt, you know, backup level players to protect Patrick Mahomes there might be a little bit of panic there after the first wave I still think it might be corner even if they go and make a free agency move uh just because they won a Super Bowl with bad interior offensive line and bad linebackers so like I still think the cornerback position because of how this thing's going to be going moving forward because of how this team's probably going to be re- you know constructed with having to pay Patrick Mahomes here pretty quick I think, you know, having, you know, quality corners is going to be pretty important. And even if they make a move, I don't think it's going to be the sexiest move. I don't I don't think it's going to be some big, you know, big top dollar move, you know, at cornerback. So I I still think you're going to be a little bit stressed even if, you know, you you go with a plan to address it at, at, in in the draft. I still think you're going to be a little bit stressed. I think I will be. Um KCSTU asks the odds uh of the Chiefs and the Falcons making a trade for Calvin Ridley 
for a draft pick as a replacement for Sammy Watkins? I, I think it's about zero for the reasons that we talked about earlier. The Chiefs want to keep as much of their assets as possible, and especially in a good wide receiver draft class, you're not giving up a pick for Calvin Ridley, even though I like Calvin Ridley. A hockey blog asks, it seems like the Chiefs line up in uh, empty way more than anybody did pre-Mahomes. What is it about that formation do they like with 15 back there? Well, when you go empty, when you get five wide receivers, or even if it's going to be a four wide with the running back coming out of the backfield, that's more receiving options. That is more players getting into routes, more players getting into routes quickly. That gives Patrick Mahomes, who's a very intelligent quarterback and a very good quarterback at throwing to all areas of the field, gives him the most options to throw to. Allows him to quickly diagnose where he thinks the best option is going to be. Get the ball out. You create the most space. This is personally one of the reasons why I don't think the Chiefs need to invest heavily in a second tight end. They're playing more. They're playing a lot less twelve personnel, a lot more eleven, a lot more getting a lot more receivers on the field. They want more space. And when you have Patrick Mahomes, who has the arm to throw it anywhere on the field, you can go five wide and hit any one of the five wide receivers deep shallow wherever you want to it just makes so much sense to get that extra space by adding an extra receiver already on the line of scrimmage whether in rather than in the backfield i think uh, real quick sidebar i think you know it makes it a little bit more difficult to disguise stuff too and plus a lot of teams you know they don't they aren't as varied in their very or as in their empty checks as they should be either so you can become a little bit more predictable as the game goes on with some of your empty checks too um and that's th- things teams need to be mindful of when they're playing the chiefs it's just one other thing they got to you know think about um real case swag asks realistically does sammy have sammy Watkins have any trade value due to his cap hit being so massive so the thing is I, and we've talked about this before it's probably a good reminder because we're getting closer to free agency and all that stuff but sammy Watkins' cap hit for any team that would be acquiring him is only 14 million dollars for one year if you look at his body of work, he wound up with about a thousand yards this season, and he was massive in the biggest games. And um, you know, I still think he has some value. Uh, and if you look at a guy like uh, Devin Funchess, two years ago, got one year, thirteen million dollar contract, or last year, got a one year, thirteen million dollar contract. I think a team could go and throw a, a day three pick at the Chiefs if they've got a lot of cap space. If they want that championship swagger in the building, they want a guy that's had some success recently. I don't think it's out of the question that they could get something for him potentially. Off air on point asks: Has there ever been a cornerback in the history of the league that got away with more contact than Traverius Ward? It was uncanny this year. Yeah, his name's Stefan Gilmore, and a lot of people consider him the best corner in the league. <laughs> now, I, honestly, Charvarius, I thought, had cleaned that up a little bit from the previous year. He was a little bit better, but if the refs aren't calling it, then rough them up, man. I, that, that's kind of the way that I am as a defensive guy. If you want to come out, try and set the tone early with physicality, maybe you draw a couple of early flags and then ease into the game. But if the ref's going to let it go, Charvarius Ward doesn't necessarily have the best route feel, doesn't have the best long speed, you know, or anything like that. But he's much better when he's got his hands on a guy and he can kind of track and feel the receiver's breaks through his hands there. If he's got a grab on, to a dude and the refs are going to let him he's going to be a better cornerback so i'm all for it as long as he's not drawing flags captain danny asks if on day one of the new league year i told you there were four roster moves made by the chiefs what would they be i like this question this is interesting cut lawrence duvernay tardif that's one two re-sign emmanuel ogba three re-sign Bashad breeland four trade christians 
Oh, man. See, if Maddie took my first three, uh, my last one, restructure Sammy Watkins. I don't think a Chris Jones trade would happen on day one of the league year. If I'm I don't honest. know if any of these would happen on day one. I just wanted to throw out the things I thought were going to happen. I, I actually... <laughs> I, I think I side with Craig for sure, and I'm not. I'm I'm still siding with Maddie on his last one too, probably. And speaking of Chris Jones, we're gonna take a break. We will be back, and we're going to kind of lay a lot a lot of stuff out with about the Chris Jones situation right after this. All right, we are continuing your mailbag questions. We're gonna get into a lot of Chris Jones conversation. Uh, and the first one we need to ask, or we need we need to talk about here, um, and it's not completely about Chris Jones, but it could potentially be. Todd Reeves asks, "Do you expect the defense's defensive performance in 2020 to be better than, worse than, or about the same as 2019? More familiarity with Spag's system, but could have significant turnover in defensive personnel." So this is a big thing that I kind of talked about, I think, a little bit last offseason. And I'd heard from people that covered the Giants, you know, had worked there, been around that program. When Steve Spagnuolo first got there that first year, they had a ton of coverage bust. They had guys that weren't really sure of what's going on. It took them that year, even though they brought in a bunch of high-priced free agents that next offseason, it took them a year to get going. It was year two where that Giants defense really stepped up and got things going. The Chiefs skipped that step. It took them half a year to where they got to the point where it seemed like there was less coverage busts, where everybody was on the same page, where everybody understood what everybody wanted, what Steve Spagnuolo wanted. You saw him start dipping into the bag of tricks late in the regular season where he's got his slot corner dropping to the safety, the deep half on the other side of the field. You saw everything coming in real fast for the Chiefs last year. I think a lot of that's Tyron Matthew. I think a lot of that's the culture they created with him, with Frank Clark, Steve Spagnuolo, Brendan Daly. But I think it only goes up from here. I don't think the talent level will ever be as low as it was last year on the Chiefs defense. I don't think that these guys will ever be learning the scheme still at the same level. You're not going to have 10 new starters all learning the same system at once. Everyone's going to be more familiar. You're going to have a higher talent level. The defense is only going to get better as they work with each other, work under Steve Spagnuolo's defense. I I think Craig is going to be in for a very fun year as he gets to watch this defense get better than it was in 2019. I really like the projectability of some of the players that are back next year too. You know, I think there's some guys that are going to just naturally get better and it's going to be valuable that they were here for an extra year. Like Juan Thornhill, I think there's still some projectability left with him. Tyron Matthew, I think if they create a little bit more flexibility in the back end of their secondary, you could even see him being utilized a variety of different ways, even on top of what they've done to this point too. Um, You know, Anthony Hitchens being that steady presence, he wasn't good this year, but they really like him communicating, setting the fronts, getting things right there. Um, I still think there's a lot of projectability. Frank Clark healthy. Woof. Woo! And all that comfortability. I mean, it's really, honestly, it's just so impressive what Steve Spagnuolo was able to do in year one. It really is. Now see what happens when they get to turn things loose a little bit. And hat tip to that assistant coaching staff as well. Sam Madison, yeah. Madhouse, uh, Dave Merritt, you know, Brenda Daly. Those guys uh, worked their asses off <laughs> this past year. Now they get another year. You get these guys that are going to be here still that are going to improve. Uh, it, Derek Naughty made one of the best plays in the Super Bowl there. And we're not, he's going to get another year. We've talked about what Steve Spagnuolo and Brenda Daly have been able to get the most out of their defensive linemen. 
And we started to see Naughty really come along. We saw Mike Pinnell basically come right in and help change the entire mentality there. So they did it with a bunch of guys that they had to kind of hit the bail button with injuries, with, you know, shifting guys around, not having the right kind of culture or the right kind of player at some of these positions. And they were able to make it work and win a Super Bowl with a frankly a pretty darn good defense without you know really the talent level there and this really kind of comes back to i know that people talk about you know they're gonna get worse by losing so many of these guys if we talk about who they're realistically losing that could be major players you're talking about kendall fuller who largely was a backup for most of the year uh, Bashad Breeland currently a free agent but I honestly we talked about how he's a high fit for a cornerback I would I, I'll tell you what I'll be surprised if the Chiefs don't put an offer on the table Emmanuel Ogba who again I'll be surprised if the Chiefs don't put an offer on the table and then potentially Chris Jones if they move on from him if they can't get something worked out there and I know that it's going to hurt some people to say this but they can afford to lose him if they keep some of those other guys Chris Jones is the best of all those guys I'm not trying to say he's a worse player but the amount of money that you get and the amount of assets that you can get to try and replace that you can go out and get a couple more free agents stuff like that and I again I know the people that are going to be in my mentions DMs emails trust me I see it all these people saying that Chris Jones was the Super Bowl MVP I hear that a lot and I I know Maddie's with me here I I don't I don't agree with that for defensive MVP I thought Bashad Breeland had a better game and Kendall Fuller might have had a better game as well I think we've gotten to the point where as Chiefs fans, we all love Chris Jones. He's a fun guy. He brings a ton love of energy. Him. He is an elite football player. He is an elite pass rusher, and that's one of the most important things you can do on defense. So we're at the point where he's this homegrown, kind of pretty much a steal of a draft pick by the Kansas City Chiefs that played it perfectly. He's working out here. He's been great. But we're at the point where we're putting his play, I think, up on a little bit of a pedestal. We we saw him in the Super Bowl not get a lot done for three quarters. And he batted a couple passes, which were great plays. These plays where he batted down passes, at least one of two of them were going to be completed to an open receiver, most likely. It looked like they were going to be on target. That's great plays. Two plays doesn't make you a Super Bowl MVP. And I get it. He had other good plays. He got a lot of attention, so on and so forth. That's fine. A lot of three techs do, though. When you line up as a three tech, you're put in between two offensive linemen Likely going to have to block you with both guys from time to time. It happens. Chris Jones didn't spear Frank Clark's defender when Frank Clark got a sack. He got blocked into him. He almost got knocked off his feet until he fell into another block. Like Chris Jones had a good game. He played good in the Super Bowl. He didn't do a whole lot throughout the playoffs. He was not even the, one of the top three or four defenders on the Chiefs team for the Super Bowl. So yes, I think you can lose him, make up that replacement or that level of play with other guys, especially as you increase the talent level on different levels of the defense, and you can get a similar product that maybe costs you a little bit less and gives you a more completely rounded team. One other thought, um, the Derek Naughty run, <laughs> uh, run stop, uh, go back and watch that and tell me who was wrong. There. Man, Just- it, it, I'll tell you what, that if Derek Naughty doesn't go superhuman and make that play, we might be talking about Chris Jones in a completely different light in that Super Bowl. He doesn't get the opportunity to swat either one of those passes. They may have given up a touchdown on that run. Like it, it really wasn't good. And he talked about needing to be gap assigned sound 
the entire lead up to the Super well, Bowl. The he thing. told you he needed to be better gap sound because Steve Spagnuolo was going to kill him if he continued to play outside of the scheme. And if you go and back to last offseason, that's something we talked about. And we kind of got it like, oh, no, look, Chris Jones proved that he can play in the scheme. Like, yes, Chris Jones proved that he could function within the scheme, but he doesn't still fit the scheme because he does work out of structure and he does well because he's an elite player. So he looks And he really makes splash good. plays because of it. Right, but you can go to the Titans game. He tried to do the exact same thing where he slipped underneath the block. If Reggie Radlin doesn't meet the pulling blocker in the hole, that's a huge run because Chris Jones was trying to go behind the block. It's something that he does routinely, and so do guys like Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt. Like your elite players do this often, but you just got to know when to do it and when not to. And I don't think Chris Jones fully grasps when not to right now. And that's something that he, Anthony Hitch, and Steve Spagnuolo, they've all talked about. He needs to be more assignment sound. These are hard things to see even when you go back and watch the game. But after a while, you start to see a pattern. And it happens with Chris Jones, which is fine. If you have the money and you want to run a style of defense, you can by all means live with that. It's just something that does have to be acknowledged when you're dealing with a defensive coaching staff that wants you to do a specific job 90% of the time and the other 10% of the time go freelance. They've said that. Do your job, do it well, then go do you. You got to do it in the right order, though. You can't start at the back just because you think you can. I think the important thing is if you're going to pay Chris Jones the kind of money that he demands... You are going to expect him to play a little bit more within the scheme. And you've got to, you, he's got to. I mean, if you're going to pay him that much money, he has got, you've got to trust that he is going to do that. And, and, and then if, <laughs> the, the argument here is, well, you just adapt your scheme to an elite player, which I get. I, I totally understand that argument and I'm for that argument and everything like that. Steve Spagnuolo and Brenda Daly are not. Like <laughs> plain and simple, they're not. And they just won a Super Bowl by playing this way. Brendan Daly's won a lot of Super Bowls by playing this way. They kind of did adapt it to elite players, just maybe not Chris Jones. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of true. All right. Jeff Moore asks, who would bring more in trade value, Frank Clark or Chris Jones? And what do you think it would be? Okay, this is something I think Daniel Jeremiah was on the local radio back there near Kansas City, I believe, and talking about compensation for Chris Jones, how he doesn't think it will be cool Mac, but it's going to be close. Like you could be getting multiple ones or maybe at the worst a one or two. Here's I don't want to throw all the numbers out on you guys on a podcast, so I will post them on my Twitter. Chris Jones' first four years, the production, I'm not talking about efficiency and rates and stuff like that because that stuff matters. The tape matters. But when you sit down and negotiate a contract, your production your character, stuff like that really does hold a lot of weight. Chris Jones' production, very, very similar to Frank Clark's. Frank Clark and Chris Jones in the regular season have almost identical production. Tackles, tackles for loss, sacks, so on. In the playoffs, Frank Clark in his first four seasons with the Seahawks, significantly better than Chris Jones' first four seasons in the playoffs with the Kansas City Chiefs. Frank Clark didn't miss many games. Chris Jones missed a couple playoff games in his first four seasons. Khalil Mack, Better than both of them in the regular season. Didn't get a chance in the playoffs. There's a big gap in production from Mack to Clark with Chris Jones right there. So for that reason, I think you're putting Chris Jones and Frank Clark on the same level. Where it changes, one of them already sat out for more money after three seasons. One didn't. One has missed a few more games in the playoffs when it really matters. The other didn't. Finally, there's no questions about Frank Clark's mentality, his desire to do the dirty stuff, the play against the run all the time. There might be some questions about that for Chris Jones. For that fact, 
I think Frank Clark's trade value last offseason is going to be a little bit higher than what Chris Jones is this offseason. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the case as well for all the reasons that Maddie mentioned there. And the other part of that is the, the Chiefs, as soon as they brought in Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew, granted they're the Brett Veach's toys and Steve Spagnuolo, you know, pounded the table for him and everything like that. Those are the guys that are out there every single week on the podium. Those are the guys they want speaking for the defense. And the next guy up was almost always Anthony Hitchens. Now, Chris Jones, you heard a lot of media and stuff like that. He's very friendly with the reporters. He talks to them in the locker room. But that's not what the Chiefs were putting behind the podium. He's not the guy that they were hanging their hats on there as an organization. Now, part of that may be because he held out a little bit. And we know that Andy Reid doesn't like guys that held out. Go back to Andy Reid talking about him missing OTAs, basically saying you you have to be here, like angrily saying you have to be here in regards to Chris Jones. Guys like that in the past that have held out through OTAs or skipped those sorts of things aren't here in recent history. Justin Houston, Eric Berry, uh, Marcus Peters, all those guys aren't here anymore. And I don't know necessarily that Chris Jones is going to fall on that same line there, but in that regard, I think other teams know that, other teams see that, so they're probably not going to offer the same amount as Frank Clark got in the free agent market. Chief Boyer DG asks, what's the least that you would take in a trade for Chris Jones to where running it back for one last year sounds like a better option? And, okay, so I think I we kind of addressed, you know, l- compensation about around what, where it would and what's the least, but I, I guess the least I would say is probably like, an early two and a fourth. But the important thing here is, you know, Chief Boyer DG mentions, you know, running it back for one last year, like it's, it sounds like a better option. They're not running it back for one last year. Like that is not happening. And that's the important thing I wanted to kind of establish here. Chris Jones is not going to play on the tack. And if he does, I, I mean, I will, I will be stunned. I think the Chiefs and Chris Jones will be looking for a resolution to this situation, be it, be it contract or be it a contract somewhere else in a trade. I don't think there is a scenario where we are going to see this resolved with Chris Jones playing on the franchise tag this year. I just, I don't think it's possible. So now that could really mess with the Chiefs compensation potentially if Chris Jones makes it a little difficult, you know, and that could wind up being a second and a fourth or something along those lines. It could be worst case scenario if, if the, if the, if it becomes a, an interesting situation there. Yeah, I I would want a one, but for all those same reasons there. And Chris Jones shouldn't play on the tag, frankly. Because Chris Jones is worth $21 million to some team out there that's going to allow him to do what he does best and isn't going to try and ask him to stay incredibly gap sound and all this stuff that Steve Spagnuolo and Brenda Daly are going to ask him to do. So in that regard, he shouldn't play for, what, $16, 17000000 million on a one-year deal. and a half. 15 and a half where he can get hurt. I think hurt, it's 15 and a half. Lose more value. Like, it makes zero sense for him as as a player to play on the tag because frankly he can get better than that somewhere else so i if i were chris jones i wouldn't be playing on the tag either yeah i have i would have a ton of concerns if the chiefs tried to keep chris jones on the tag and expected him to play i don't know if he would hold out through actual game checks i just would be very cautious about how much you would get up from him before he would have to show up to start playing that would concern me. So like you're looking baseline level trade. 
I do want the value of a late first round pick, but if I can't get a first round pick from it, that's why I'm okay with the package of second and mid round picks, especially with an early second or even dipping into next year, maybe to get, you know, a second and a next year second, something like that. But I do want the value of a late first round pick at minimum. Just for me, it does not have to fall from the first 32 picks of this draft. I think it's important. I don't think the Chiefs want that conflict where they're having to deal with that. So I think, you know, in that regard, if they are moving on from them, I think they've played this extremely well, if that's the case. Because, you know, they are... I, I think I actually think the Chiefs, regardless of what, what they're doing, have played the Chris Jones situation exceptionally well. Uh, Tuck Hag asks, if we trade Chris Jones, find me a path to Derek Brown. I think it exists. You may not have to really try that hard to find a path after Derek Brown's awful combine here. Lots of people wondering about whether or not he can move. Derek Brown can move. He's a heck of a player. I would still gladly take him. I don't know that the Chiefs are going to prioritize defensive tackle in the draft if Chris Jones moves along. I just don't know that they feel like they need that splash three down defensive tackle that Chris Jones is kind of more of a prototype for. Spagnuolo likes the big heavies on first and second down, likes kicking in defensive ends on third down long so they can rush the passer with defensive ends. I think it's a more realistic scenario that they attack defensive end before defensive tackle if Chris Jones moved on. Derek Brown's interesting. I think he fits what the Chiefs would prefer at defensive tackle. He's a little bigger. He's stouter. He's better versus the run. Like he, he is a Chiefs defensive tackle. I don't think the NFL is going to get too stuck in the three cone about him or his shuttle drills. Like his combine wasn't great outside the agilities, but it was good enough. The tape speaks for itself. I just don't see a Derek Brown. I don't see any defensive tackle high on the priority list for the Chiefs. Like I think they'll address it either in free agency or in the draft. I just don't think you would trade Chris Jones and immediately spend high capital, high value on another defensive tackle. That seems like a, a weird lateral step at best only to save money, and especially for Derek Brown where you'd have to trade up. You then lose your capital, and all you did was take, like you said, a lateral step. I don't know why I'd go that. I'd rather look in the mid-rounds or in free agency just to find me another one, two down, Mike Pinnell, Snacks Harrison, run stuffer, because my defensive ends are kicking inside for the pass rush with Kraut Chris Jones there anyway. I don't need a highly valued kind of defensive tackle for a couple downs. And I mean, like, I just... These guys have done a lot of research, specifically these two, have done a lot of research on the, the tendencies of Steve Spagnuolo defenses along the interior and along the edge. Chris Jones does not really meet those criteria historically. That's the thing. Like, you know, if you've been listening the last year, yeah, they, they made it work for sure. And Chris had a very good year, but like there is some bending being done to accommodate him within the scheme. And that's one of the things that we've been talking about for a while. So I, I, I agree. They're not, they're going to get there. They're going to get there. They're going to put three defensive ends on the field on third down. They're going to rush Tano Passanio inside. They don't typically just leave Chris Jones like that. It, they're not going to try to replace Chris Jones one for one. And I know that's probably weird for some people to hear, but that's just that's some of the schematic stuff with Steve Spagnolo. Colpi O2 asks to allow for maximum flexibility for the team. Does it make sense that the Chiefs need to implement their plan for Chris Jones before free agency once the CBA situation is figured out? I don't know if it really matters. I, I in fact I don't think the Chris Jones situation is going to be resolved until maybe a couple weeks after free agency. I, I don't think it's happening on day one. So I don't think whether or not the, whether or not the, the CBA um, 
you know, whether or not the CBA gets passed, I still don't think there's going to be resolution. I don't think there's anything lost or gained based on the CBA. Maybe it just makes, maybe it makes the chiefs a little bit more capable of keeping Chris Jones. If the CBA passes, I don't think I'm with Ken. I don't think there's a big difference one way or the other right now. I think this is a very fluid situation. And from everything we've said so far, the chiefs would like to keep Chris Jones. If he comes back and says, Hey, I'll play for $18 million a year. I think this deal gets done immediately. So if something crazy like that happens, he stays here. So for that reason, it's very fluid. There's no reason to rush into anything, but you do want to keep it expedited. You want to keep feeling it out. You don't want to let idle time go by because you don't want other teams to fill needs, use their cap space, use their draft capital for other stuff. I think the earlier, the better, but I'm not so sure it's super dependent on being instantly or anything like that. I, they need to do it for Chris's sake in a hurry, frankly. Uh, he's been here. He showed up. He's played hard for this team. I, I think that it's best for both parties if he moves on, he gets to his next team, and his next team can pay him if they are trading him or if they are settling on this plan. Certainly, if they're planning on paying Chris Jones, I think that that definitely needs to be in the plans early enough to understand what they can do in free agency. So in that regard, I would like to see it done earlier, not just because it gives us good content that we get to talk to you guys about, but also (laughs) because I, I think it's just best for him, for his agents, for the team, for everybody involved, if they just go ahead and get it done. Uh, okay, so Low Lip McGee, and we're moving on from Chris Jones now. Low Lip McGee asks, what's your worst possible outcome scenario for the Chiefs on draft day? I, uh, I've, I've prepared one for you boys. You have not heard this yet. Um, here's, here's a worst case scenario. I want you to react to it. At 32, the Chiefs take running back J.K. Dobbins nope. Nope. from the Ohio State University. Done. At, six, at 63... They take linebacker Malik Harrison no. from the Ohio no, State University. No, no. Slowly growing on me. Better, much better than the first and, round And at 96, the Chiefs finally address corner and take Dane Jackson from Pitt. Nah. And I even kind of like Dane Jackson, but nah, like that. Yeah, you you kind of you kind of got it there. That's that's a worst possible outcome. While simultaneously improving all three positions, guys. Like I mean, mean, it it really does make the team gets better in that scenario. But man, we 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 don't know if Malik we don't know if Malik Harrison can play. Will Dane Jackson is the most milk toast addition to your cornerback group? I think with his stubby arms. I just it, J.K. Dobbins like he's, he's got cool great feet like, though. J.K. Dobbins it, okay, any running back in round one. I just I just know that Maddie doesn't like J.K. Dobbins that much. So I wanted to throw that running back in there instead of some of the more interesting ones. Like I'm not giving you Clyde. Uh, all right, let's burn through some of these draft questions too here. Uh, J. Cole twenty four. Are there any top ranked cornerbacks or linebackers that you would be upset with the Chiefs taking in the first two rounds? I mean, in the first two rounds, I think that's a broad enough range that I I don't think there's any of the top-ranked guys that I would be upset with them taking there. We just kind of talked about Malik Harrison a little bit. He's growing on me the more I watch. I think there is some untapped potential there. His size athleticism is very intriguing. I would definitely not like him in round one. If, even at the end of round two is a little rich for me, but you might have to. But I mean, yeah, the, out of the top-ranked guys, there would definitely be nobody I would be upset with in the first 63 picks. 
Yeah, especially at linebacker because there's just, frankly, not that many. Uh, we've talked about the majority of them. Uh, people say Willie Gay maybe is working his way up there a little bit. Uh, we'll see. I think that's still a little early for him as well. And then same goes with the corners. The Really, the only name that's really been thrown around a little bit that I'm not a huge fan of is Damon Arnett. Oh, I, I just mm-hmm. I I just don't love Damon Arnett. I don't really love what he brings to the table. He's pretty stiff. He's got short arms. He's not particularly fast. Like his effort level is good and he's a willing tackler and he's aggressive, but I, I feel like you can get like ninety-five percent of Damon Arnett a couple rounds later. So I, I don't love Damon Arnett. Are you sure he's not fast? I I know Ohio State fans tell told Maddie that he's very fast, including Brian Hartline got in your mentions to talk about how he was going to run a top 10 time at the cornerback or at the combine. And, and it didn't happen. <laughs> Not even close. Brandon 422 asks, you can draft Henry Ruggs or Christian Fulton. Who are you taking? Interestingly enough, Christian Fulton, Henry Ruggs are 14th and 15 in the KC draft guide right now. Who are you taking? I'm taking Christian Fulton. Of course, but it you hurts are. me to do it because Henry Ruggs is so good and would make this offense just ridiculously awesome. But they need corners. They absolutely need corners. Christian Fulton. Mine's a slightly different reason. I'd take Christian Fulton as well. I love Henry Ruggs, and if it was probably another corner here, the next corner down from Fulton, I'd probably go with Ruggs. I would love the speed. I just, you need a little bit more size. You need someone that can play on the line of scrimmage, like Hardman, Hill, Ruggs would be insane to cover. I just think that two of them, at least, probably at least one, are going to have to line up on the line of scrimmage, deal with press coverage. And I only think Hill's the only guy ready to get off the line of scrimmage at this point in time. And I want him to be free to do whatever he does. So, yeah, don't like that idea all that much. Christian Fulton sweep it. KC2429 asks, thoughts on Khalil Davis as a day three pick? How do you think he would fit in? As a day three pick, I absolutely have at it. He's a he's a guy now. You got to take his combine performance with a grain of salt. Him and his brother Carlos Davis ran track for fun in high school, and they weren't bad at it. Like especially <laughs> for their stuff, they decided to run track because they thought it would be fun. These guys have a ton of track experience. Them coming out and blowing the wall, wheels off of the forty yard dash for their size, not surprising. That said, Khalil Davis especially looked very fluid in drills. I liked his movement skills. I just wish I saw it on tape a little bit more often. He just, and maybe it's Nebraska's defense, but there was just a lot of lateral movement without a ton of penetration, not a lot of upfield play. It seemed a little better when he was down at the Shrine Week. So maybe there's something there. Day three, take a chance. In Spag's defense, I think it'd be like Colin Saunders. You'd have a guy that's a little explosive for a bigger bodied guy, but it would take him a while to work into it. JT Penfield asks if LaVisca Chenault is available at 63. Do you guys think that about taking him and using him as a running back Swiss army knife wide receiver? Um, so I 63 is very intriguing for him. And I know he tested poorly on an injured or on his injury and he's got some serious injury history, but when you watch him with the ball in his hands, he's one of the most explosive electric players in the entire class. And so at 63, I think that's really good value. He might be a running back. Maddie's been very much on the LaVisca Chenault running back train. And if that's the case, like, I mean, he might be the modern day running back. And he would actually be a really fun fit in Kansas City because I think you could probably play him at running back a little bit and let him just go catch passes out of the backfield. Uh, JP Wolf 82 asks, is Malik Harrison a system fit, Craig? 
Yeah, pretty much. Uh, he fits all the criteria that Steve Spagnuolo asked for out of his linebackers. Uh, the question would be if he can will at the next level. And we just kind of said, we're not sure. Uh, he's a little bit stiff. Uh, he did not look good in a lot of his games <laughs> this season, but he stood up against Clemson and looked the best that he did look, uh, you know, of the season. He was able to line up and cover Travis Etienne, who, you know, he hadn't really covered through most of the year. And then they turn around at the Senior Bowl and he went back to being stiff and wooden and unable to cover anybody and just with poor vision. So there were a lot of questions about Malik Harrison. I have a lot of them as well. I'm not sure if he can will linebacker, but he does seem like a Steve Spagnolo fit. I, I would want somebody a little more dynamic. Steve Spagnolo disagrees with me. So yeah, yeah, he's a system fit. <laughs> Chief Mahomey asks, Willie Gay Jr. had a pretty good combine performance. Is his tape good enough to outweigh the off-field issues and select him with the 63ers pick? Love it. Or would he be a later-round pick? For me, I think I'd want to lean a little bit later, and I don't even know if it's for the off-field stuff. From Daniel Jeremiah out of the combine, he said that teams were satisfied. He didn't say they were great or anything. He said teams were satisfied with their interviews and the off-field stuff and that it was not a big deal. My issue comes with... I think he's a lot more raw than people kind of want to see because of the athleticism. You watch his tape and this man is taking terrible angles all game long. I don't know what he processes in front of him. He is a pure chase linebacker right now, which the Chiefs need. So the fit is there. Just we've seen with Dorian O'Daniel, Darren Lee, you have to understand Steve Spagnuolo's defense to get on the field. I don't know how quickly Willie Gay, and I'm not saying that he can't understand football or things. It doesn't show up on tape that he understands the true intricacies of what's happening in front of him based on some of his angles that he takes. I think it might take some time for him to work into it. So for that case, I would probably wait till round three. But if you didn't like your board, you loved your interview with him, he showed well on the whiteboard. Yeah, have at it. That athleticism is insane. All right, that is going to do it for the AP Laboratory Mailbag. We'll be back Wednesday with a positional profile. We'll be taking a look at the edges. Be on the lookout for that later this week. We'll catch you later.